Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Valerie Riddle, a USF Morsani College of Medicine 1989 alum and your host for the Morsani College of Medicine Alumni Society podcast, Beyond the Bulletin. We're excited to bring you a series on life in the time of COVID, stories from our students and alumni about how they navigated the year that was a challenge for all of us. I am very happy to have with me today, Catherine Hanna, who is a fourth year medical student at the Morsani College of Medicine and anxiously anticipating her upcoming match into internal medicine. Catherine, thank you so much for being here today. I am really looking forward to hearing a little bit about your experiences navigating COVID when it hit in your third year and how that's played out for you over the last year or so. So I will turn it over to you and maybe you can get us started. Thank you so much for having me and allowing me to kind of share the voice of uh, myself and my fellow classmates here. Um, addressing our USF alumni is very important and uh, anyone else who might be listening. So thanks for tuning in. Um, just to give a brief overview of where I was in my academic career when COVID hit, it was the spring of my third year of medical school and I had already done psychiatry, neurology, surgery, uh, pediatrics, OBGYN, and I was almost done with my family medicine rotation. Um, remaining was two weeks in family medicine and a rotation in internal medicine. I, at the time and for many years, had been most interested in emergency medicine um, and at that point was planning to proceed with applying into the emergency medicine field. Um, and then COVID hit and it honestly did change a lot of things for me personally. Uh, the, the big thing I would say is that my internal medicine clerkship was delayed. I think that if I had had it sooner, it's hard to say uh, what would have happened, but things really slowed down in March when uh, we were pulled from our, from our rotations. We were given the opportunity to do, you know, virtual help from home. We also had many online modules. We continued learning for sure, but we were no longer in clinic and that really did slow our schedule and make things um, more of a self-paced type proceeding forward until about June was when we were called back into clinic. And that's when I had my internal medicine rotation. I'd say the, the first week of internal medicine, I was very excited and having a wonderful time and so happy to be back in the hospital. But I told myself it was because I had been out for so long. And as the second week rolled through, I was really excited that I still liked it. And we were about to change settings from Tampa General to the VA. And I figured I'd give myself a little more time. By the third week of the rotation, I was like, well, this is a late time to switch. But I, I knew I had found my career. And it was a really... Um, I guess a big moment moving forward to have had the delay in the choice and then it what felt like a late time in my year. So, I mean, by the time that the paperwork was filed and I had officially switched tracks, it was the first week of August um, of fourth year. And I remember feeling so oddly calm about the decision. It was 
absolutely the right decision for me for so many reasons, which I'd be happy to get into. But ultimately, I would say that was probably the biggest effect that COVID had was that delay and that slowing down and giving me time to really think about my choices and what was important to me going forward. So that says to me that much like I always say to people in a time of, of adversity is that there often are silver linings and you found definitely found a silver lining. So that's really, that's really interesting. I, I, I wonder how many others that may have happened to, but I'm, I'm glad it gave you the opportunity to really reflect and make that decision because you're going to be doing what you're planning to do for a really long time to come. Yes, absolutely. And I'm so very excited about it. So did you, what was fourth year like then? I mean, normally during your, you know, the fall of your fourth year, you'd be traveling to externships and, you know, that kind of thing. Did you, were you able to do any, anything that was even like rotating in another institution virtually or otherwise? I personally did not. Um, what I will say is that I am, I have a special interest in global health. I'm part of the International Medicine Scholarly concentration here. And I had planned or was in the process of planning uh, externships abroad when this had occurred. So it really was a big hit as well to that interest of mine. And um, I do wanna pursue a career in global health in the future. So not being able to travel affected me in more than one way, um, directly related to the interview process and to externships. There is the opportunity to do the uh, virtual externships with schools. I know that some offered them uh, via the organization that we use, which is called VSAS. But I personally didn't proceed because we had done so much of uh, the virtual rotations through USF during that time between March and June that I had gotten a lot of uh, virtual education, online education through that. And I felt a little bit of fatigue. I was excited to be back in clinic. So at that point we were allowed to rejoin the clinic and I did, I, I added some extra in-person electives and chose that route. I do know people that chose the virtual electives and often what they would get out of that would be some FaceTime, well, virtual FaceTime with the organizations that they were rotating with as well as maybe some contact with the faculty, the students um, that could help. And sometimes they would get priority interviews. I do know of some people who would be interviewed in the first round if they had chosen to pursue one of those externships uh, online. I personally did not though. Okay. I'll be interested to hear from some of your classmates that I also hope to talk to to see what their experiences were. Now, I know I heard of something that USF did called the COCO Clinic, and I believe you were involved in that. Maybe that's one of the clinics you were referencing, and could you talk just a little bit about that experience? It was so very impressive to watch um, USF and the faculty, the impressive faculty here pivot with COVID hitting. The COCO Clinic stands for COVID Confirmed Clinic, and it was started by some of my own faculty mentors with the International Medicine Scholarly Concentration. And watching them very quickly get this virtual clinic up and running was all inspiring. I personally, because I had to complete a couple of weeks of family medicine as well as internal medicine during a short period, several of my 
both of those courses required virtual rotations, which we did with the Cocoa Clinic. So I worked uh, for several weeks with the clinic. And I would say that the big things that they offered that were really impressive to see was that contact with patients in a time when we were stuck at home and the empowerment that we as medical students could make a difference in the patient's lives. When cases were um, rapidly increasing in the month of June, that's when I did a lot of my shifts. And what we got to do as medical students was call patients who had tested positive in Hillsborough County um, and check in, make sure that they were recovering, see how their symptoms were doing and record that information as well as connect them to resources. So if they didn't have access to the ability to quarantine or if they were dizzy and needed to go to the emergency room, they were unable to breathe or showing other red flag signs, uh, we were able to help facilitate that transfer. So I would say that the experience was incredibly valuable for my education. And it also uh, allowed me to participate during a time when we felt like we had kind of been sidelined as medical students. Um, the big thing, honestly, is how much education we were able to provide to patients because at the time there were more patients than there were providers in Hillsborough County and um, patients were being told to stay at home instead of going in, obviously for uh, the reasons of preventing further spread of the virus. So we got to do a lot of that frontline education of patients about the virus, the natural course, ways to protect themselves, what the red flag symptoms were, um, and how to quarantine safely and effectively. So it was really empowering to us as medical students and a fantastic experience. The Cocoa Clinic is still running, um, and I know that they have done a lot for the county and for the patients is in simple ways is getting them home sooner, monitoring their oxygen from home, uh, facilitating transfers to the hospital when they became ill, um, and really connecting people with resources. So do you know, Catherine, if there were other medical schools around the country that did something similar, or was that somewhat unique to USF? It sounds, I mean, it sounds amazing, and it sounds like the, the makings of a great research project and paper. So I'm just curious to know what the plans might be to publish some of what you guys were doing and educate others. I have heard of other similar clinics. I don't know any specific details. Um, I have a few contacts at other medical schools that um, I can definitely reach out to to find out more about what they have done. But I would say that the Cocoa Clinic with USF uh, is fairly unique. I haven't heard of anything of this similar manner. I'm not sure exactly what uh, Dr. Oxner and the other leadership are planning for write up, but I do know that we've used a lot of the information that we've gathered through the COCO clinic and the infrastructure to pivot into research projects. The clinic did have built into it the um, infrastructure for research. So every patient was uh, consented for their um, information to be collected for research, and it was all put into forms that could then be um, utilized to follow public health measures and um, other important things. And then it, the information was directly communicated with the Department of Health. So I do know that there were ongoing research goals and such that were being pursued. Yeah, I've often wondered, and I've, I've actually had people ask, you know, how Tampa did and I certainly was not on the front line and not you know in immersed like you all were but I I can't help but think that there may have been some 
benefit to having that resource available to help manage patients and keep them as best you could as outpatients and help to you know protect the hospitals from the surge they may have had just in the emergency room with people that just didn't have access to someone to talk to to help them understand their symptoms and you know what's important when should i go to the hospital when shouldn't i i mean that that had to have had some impact and it'll be really interesting to see if they are able to to pull some data together what that ultimately looks like so I, I think that's a stay tuned, right? And, and COVID, I think is, it's not going away. The virus is gonna be with us. So there may be you know, opportunity to continue that service to our community and maybe even use that model for other types of things that come along. So kudos to you all for that. I'm curious to know if you yourself, and you certainly do not have to share if you do not want to, but I'm curious to know if you were exposed to COVID, if you had any personal experience with, with the virus or with family members and just, you know, how, how that impacted you, if you did or, or are willing to share. So certainly no problem if you're not. Absolutely. Um, so I actually contracted COVID about, I became ill a couple of days before we were to restart clinic. Um, my husband was doing jujitsu at the time, and it is very hard to practice safe public health measures um, when you're rolling on the floor with other people. So at that time, uh, COVID came to our house and wreaked its havoc. Um, I would say that I personally had a mild to moderate course of the disease. I did I was febrile. I did develop a bit of a dry cough, uh, definitely the worst headache and myalgias that lasted for several days. The scariest moment for me personally was that I want to say it was day five when I began to feel like I couldn't breathe. Um, it was just this feeling of almost when you're at the bottom of a swimming pool and you need to surface for air and you can't get there fast enough. That was happening kind of every five or so minutes to me just sitting around the house. So I actually packed a bag to go to the hospital, but decided to put it off for a couple of hours to see how I felt. And during that time frame, um, oxygen saturation monitor actually came in through the mail that I had ordered. And so I was able to monitor myself at home and that brought me some comfort during that time. And it did, the feeling did go away after about 24 hours. So I was able to avoid going to the hospital. Although I do recommend that if you feel like you're having a hard time catching your breath that you report to, uh, to your physician as quickly as possible. So yeah, um, that, sure. <laughs> that's absolutely, um, it was, I guess, an eye-opening moment for me regarding COVID, having experienced that feeling. Um, going forward, I haven't had any very close immediate family members contract COVID until uh, it was over Christmas break. I had just come home um, which is still in the state of Florida, but I had gone home to visit. And while I was at my uh, in-laws house, I got a phone call from my uh, brother that his wife had contracted COVID from her workplace. And so that in their entire house went on quarantine. Um, luckily we hadn't been exposed to them, but it was definitely a very, um, it was a very hard time for them and for us as a family, you know, for them not to be able to celebrate the holidays with everyone else. Um, but we were very grateful that the test had come back and that we were 
you know, able to know before other people were potentially exposed. So that also, you know, speaks to the danger of the holidays and how, um, how very important it is to have readily accessible uh, testing measures and for people who are feeling ill to stay home for work. Yep, all good public health measures and advice for sure. You know, I wonder, I have, I have fortunately not gotten COVID and I've been pretty careful, but I would be lying if I said I had locked myself in my condo for the entirety of the last year. You know, it's, it's, it's impossible. You reach a point at which you just, you have to get out. And I've certainly been careful and I've been very fortunate, but I just wonder, you know, I had a very close friend who got COVID, yet her husband did not. And other people who you can't quite figure out how they got exposed, but somehow they got COVID. And it's just such an unpredictable virus that it's just been fascinating to watch. So I consider myself very fortunate. And I'm certainly glad to hear that you and your husband and your family member did well. Uh, it's, it's sad that so many did not. So I'm glad that you did well. We're coming kind of close on time, I think. I, I wanted to just give you an opportunity to share any advice you might have for the students coming behind you that have obviously had similar experiences in the fact in the sense that they've sort of been removed from things that they were doing at the time this all hit but are going to come into for some of them come into the fall wondering are we going to be able to do externships are we going to be able to go on interviews and do you think that any of the any of the changes that happened this past year will be things that continue maybe because of COVID or maybe because people have learned that there are other ways to do things that are that are you know that work I'm just curious to know what your perspective might might be on that absolutely um, so with the interview process doing every interview virtually uh, definitely has its pros and cons. I would say for anyone who might be listening, our interview, uh, who's not familiar, our interview process in med school until COVID hit was that we might interview at, depending on the specialty, between 10 and I've heard upwards of 30 uh, different institutions. And that would require, usually an average of about 15, and that would require booking a flight, um, being in town, having a hotel, uh, then you would normally meet with the resident the night before, and then you would go to the hospital the next day for the for the actual interview process. So um, it was quite expensive, thousands and thousands of dollars that med students would often have to take out extra loans, as well as stress and time away from fourth year. There's pros and cons to that because you get to physically connect with uh, with the people there, and you get to really see the hospital and see yourself in the city. And I do think that that was missing from this entire process. And right now with COVID, it's discouraged from traveling, you know, on your own as much as possible. And so um, some, I have heard that some people have traveled to um, other cities in order to get a feel for the city at least, but we're still not able to tour the hospitals um, or to contact those, um, those programs in person. Moving forward, I think that there are some benefits to virtual interviews. It helps to really counteract the cost that's associated with having to travel to so many different sites. And that cost is not just financial, but also, you know, lifestyle. It's 
um, absolutely exhausting and it pulls you away from a time when you could be learning uh, if in a in-person setting with your medical school. I would say that my personal hope, my personal opinion is that programs continue to offer virtual interviews. And then as COVID hopefully comes under control and our vaccination rates increase and um, cases become less, my hope is that a combination of the virtual interviews with offered in-person anonymous tours, meet and greets that wouldn't affect the application cycle would be offered so that we can get that information and really that face-to-face -face time with the programs that we're most interested in without feeling the pressure to travel to every single site that we plan on putting on our rank list. So I do think that hopefully moving forward, we have gotten something out of this experience that will really add flexibility to the interview process for medical students and decrease that financial burden. Um, but I do hope that there is some in-person component moving forward once we're able. Do I foresee that happening in the following year? It's hard to say. Um, I haven't, I haven't heard any actual news that it would be heading in the direction of any sort of in-person contact. So I think moving forward, it's a strong possibility that the upcoming year will also occur entirely virtually. Yeah, I, I haven't heard anything either, but sitting where we sit right now and knowing how far we have to go to get, you know, to get people vaccinated just by virtue of supply and, and demand, it's hard to imagine that we'll be fully ready to go back to that as early as, as our fourth year students that are coming up would need to. But I hear you about the, you know, the the lessening of the financial burden. And what what I would see happen with students is, you know, it's not like you had two weeks or a month or a lot of advance notice to book your flights. You were often booking relatively last minute and making changes because programs that you want an interview with actually come available and you, you make changes to be able to accommodate it because that's an important interview for you. So it's it's logistically burdensome as much as it is financially burdensome and at least what i've seen with some of the students in the last you know in the year before your year of course mm -hmm. so anyway i really really appreciate your being willing to spend some time with me and sharing some of your insights i i leave with the impression that you feel like you got a very good education that you don't necessarily feel that you've been shorted in that education, that it even allowed you an opportunity to make a, a bit of a pivot from where you expected you would be headed. And I guess I'm really proud that it sounds like USF did a really good job with what they had to deal with to make sure that you all got, you know, got what you needed. So I think all of us who are alumni and, and even potentially students that maybe looking at MCOM can feel good about coming here and, and having been here. I think it's, it's, I'm pretty proud as an alum actually. So thank you for sharing. Any last words, Catherine, before I let you go? I definitely appreciate you having me today. Um, it's been a pleasure talking about the experience, you know, as we go forward. I think that it is important that everyone knows. I'm really glad that you said that, how great of a job USF did. It was very clear from the beginning that they were pulling 
very late shifts uh, for several weeks to months in order to think and rethink and plan and replan how to best move our education forward. And they did a fantastic job. I don't feel like I'm missing any amount of clinical time or um, learning time that would have uh, made a difference in my preparation for in intern year. And I think that it would be very hard for um, anyone to make that argument. USF did a fantastic job and we definitely got everything that we needed to move forward. So yeah, just looking forward to match now. Um, and I, I definitely recommend that any upcoming medical students who have any who happen to be listening to this and have any questions about the virtual interview process, feel free to reach out to us. We definitely would love to help walk you guys through it. Thank you for that. I, I always ask at the end if, if folks who have been my guests are willing to have people connect with them. And I'm glad you said that because everyone will be able to reach me and I will be more than happy to, to help people connect. We're gonna launch uh, just a little, a little plug we're going to be launching, and, and it may be launched by the time this episode actually hits the airwaves, but a more formalized program for matching our alumni with our students. And you will be someone I'll reach out to to enroll you as an alum. So I'm excited about that. We are calling it the ASSIST program, the alumni helping our student physicians become physicians and help them with their future. So. Stay tuned for that, or if it's already out once this airs, then folks will have already heard about it. But thank you so much again, Catherine. I wish you all the best. I know Match is just around the corner. And again, by the time this airs, I may already know where you're gonna be, but I'm excited to, to watch your journey and, and have you become one of our alumni. So thank you. Thank you so much. If you have ideas for future podcasts, or if you would like to be a guest, please let me know at Valerie, V-A-L-E-R-I-E 25 at usf.edu. Thank you so much for listening.